for checking out this message from Spring Mountain. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, swimmountcf.co.uk. Or join us every Sunday from 11am at Abbey Road in Barrow and Furness. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, then please email prayer at springmountcf.co.uk. I hope you like my new voice. Uh, it's, uh, it's what I call the sexy husky voice. So, uh, so I've been uh, battling a bit of a, a virus over the weekend. And it just happens to be a weekend where I'm preaching three times as well. So, uh, uh, so just, just bear with me. I have to say, I, I thought the notices were sensational today. Uh, I, I, I mean, they, they were top-notch, those notices, and how, how church notices should be. Uh, so, uh, so if you're ever going to do notices, that's the way you do it. You know, you just find people and you insult them, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, and that's what good church notices are all about. So, uh, so I, I, I feel quite at home here because in, in our home church, it, it, it's a church that has got two levels to it, so you have to go up the stairs. And I always say this, by the time I reach the end of the stairs, I've been insulted about five times. So I feel very at home in a church where the insults fly around. So, so just a quick story before I get into what I've got this morning. Uh, most of you know that in PFJ we travel all over the world. And often my prerequisite for where I go is this. Is it hot? Is it sunny? If it's hot and sunny, then I'll accept the invitation and I'll go there. Uh, but this winter, for some strange reason, I found myself in both Ukraine and Estonia in the middle of winter. In Ukraine, it was minus 22, uh, which is really uncivilized. Uh, and, and, and then after Ukraine, we went to Estonia, which actually felt colder, even though it was only minus 8 in Estonia. But incredible coldness there. But the story I want to tell this morning is the story of what's going on in this town that we visited in Estonia. I was there a few years ago in the country and I was traveling back from the town of Narva to the capital city Tallinn. Uh, and the bus stopped off at all the different towns en route and it stopped off at this one town called Aseri. And Aseri, uh, I have to say, it, I just looked out of the window and I thought, what a dump. I, I mean, there was just no life there. It was full of apartments that were all boarded up. I mean, it was such a depressing place to visit. And, and lo and behold, uh, at the end of last year, I get this invite to go to this place called Aseri. And I'm thinking, this place name means something. It rings a bell. And then I put the, the dots together and realized it was this place that seemed like a dump. Uh, we, we got there, we met this small group of uh, believers who live as a community uh, in that particular town. 
And essentially, their story is this. They're connected to a Russian-based movement called the God Seekers Movement. Uh, and one of the things about the God Seekers Movement is they establish houses of prayer. They've got a house of prayer in Moscow. They've got one in Kiev in Ukraine. And they wanted to establish one in this town called Aseri. And the leader of this uh, movement, who I'll just call Sergei, because his surname is unpronounceable for an English person. Sergei, he's asleep one night. The Lord wakes him up. He goes for a walk into town. Uh, and the Lord starts speaking to him and says, you want to build a house of prayer? You can build a house of prayer. But if you want a town of prayer, you can have a town of prayer. Uh, and Sergei says, Lord, if you want to give me the town, I'm going to take the town. Uh, and this was last summer. And if I was to tell you they now own about 25% of the town. They're busy buying up these abandoned apartment blocks, renovating them, bringing change, transformation into the town. And it will be a place where Hundreds, if not thousands of people from around the world will go to this small town in Estonia to pray for the nations of the earth. There are currently 200 residents still left in this town and, and their vision is this. They believe that all 200 people will come to faith in Christ. Uh, and, and when you speak with them, they're not joking uh, they're, they're, they're not sort of living in Christian cloud cuckoo land. These are people with serious intent and serious vision. I want to say this today. Nothing is impossible. Yeah, in their journey, they're discovering nothing is impossible. God is making a way for them to build this house, uh, this town of prayer. And I want to say, wherever you are today, here in Barrow, nothing is impossible. The plans that God has, the dreams that he has, the things that are deep within your heart and you're thinking, that is beyond possibility. That is just too big a dream to dream. I want to tell you, impossible things become possible when God is on your side few things I want to share this morning on the story of Esther. Four things. First thing is this, that Esther knew something about favor. I'm sure already in your studies that the favor that she experienced has been talked about. She was a woman who knew favor. You see, favor is like an airplane. An airplane has two wings. Uh, if it has one wing, it is unbalanced. You know, favor has two wings. One is favor with God. The other is favor with man. It's not just enough to have favor with God. All of us in this room have got favor with God. God is with you. He is for you. He is on your side. He believes in you today. Favor from God is a part of what you can experience. But you know, we also have favor with man. I, I, I want to challenge the, the sort of very prominent thought in a lot of Christians' minds, which is what I call a siege mentality thought. A lot of Christians have a siege mentality. They think all of the world is out against them and all of the world is opposed to them. 
I want to say that is contrary to Scripture. What you see in Scripture is this, that the masses of the people are for the people of God and the masses of the people are for the gospel. It is only those who are in authority who usually stand against the gospel and persecute people. It's it's when economic authority is challenged. Those with economic power persecute. It's when religious authority is challenged that those with religious power persecute. It's when political power is challenged that those with political power persecute. But ordinary men and women, when they hear the good news of Jesus Christ, they want to receive this Jesus. They're open to receive this Jesus. That's why he said the fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. God is for you. He is on your side, but not only that, people are for you, and they're on your side. And I believe we can experience great favor from people. Most of you know Carla. She gets a mention most likely once, once uh, every blue moon when I come here. You know, totally over the top, totally radical, most likely the most passionate person on planet Earth. Uh, and, and yet Carla, she experiences great favor, uh, particularly at the moment, great favor with Bolton Council. I mean, the council can't do enough for her. She's going to Germany this week, taking a team of six people who will get Jesus for breakfast, Jesus for lunch, Jesus for tea, and Jesus just before they go to bed at night. It will be full on Jesus because Carla is full on Jesus. You know, six people going with her, Bolton Council paying for those six people you know, to be evangelized all week in Germany by Carla. It's called favor. It's called the favor of God. It's called being able to go into places where others wouldn't go. It's being able to be a voice and to be an influence. It's being able to have the ear of those that, whose ear you need to have to shape things for the kingdom of God. And favor is vital, and we see in the story of Esther, she had great favor. Second thing I want you to see in this story is that the end is never the end. I mean, we know in the story, don't we, that the Jews are about to be exterminated, and then right in the midst of it, God does a rescue job. I want to say this, wherever you are today is not the end of the story. I really really felt this when I was coming up here uh, today, that for some people in this room, you feel that where you are is the end of the story. You feel as though there is no way forward for you. You feel as though you're, you're in a corner. You're sort of hemmed in. You feel like you're in a prison, and you're saying there is no way out from where I am. And I want to encourage you, there is a way out. The end has not yet arrived. There is a future for you. There is a tomorrow for you. God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he is ready to release you today into all that he's got for you. 
See, the good news of the gospel is this, that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Most of you will have heard of Blessed Hill because I know as a church you support Blessed Hill uh, over in Uganda. I, I remember in 2008 meeting Sarah Sabiti for the first time. I want to say this, Sarah Sabiti in 2008 was a very different woman to who Sarah Sabiti is today. She was beat up. She, she, were, she was grieving over the loss uh, of her husband. Her husband had passed away. Her school had imploded. She didn't have any money. She had no kids. She had no decent facility to run a school out of. She was beat up. She was broken. She'd reached the end of the road. And I remember going and seeing Sarah Sabiti together with my brother-in-law and we came away from there and all that we really wanted to do was just weep and weep and weep because we were just faced with such hopelessness. And we said, Lord, if there's just something that can be done to get Sarah out of this situation... A short time afterwards, you'll uh, remember Liz Bowes was with us uh, for a couple of years. And someone who Liz Bowes knew had come into an inheritance. Uh, and they sowed the inheritance into uh, PFJ. And out of that inheritance, we were able to relocate Sarah. And it was the start of her journey that led her to where she is today. I want to say this, you might feel as though it's hopeless. You might feel that it's the end of the road, but it is not the end of the road today. All things work together for good. He is still working behind the scenes in your life, and he's going to work it out in your favor and for your success and for your prosperity. The third thing that I want us to see is they start to celebrate Purim. The whole thing of Purim is this. It's a reminder of God's liberating power. Uh, and they say this, that Purim is the most over-the-top, raucous celebration that Jewish people have. I, I want to say it's time for celebration to come back into the church of Jesus Christ. If church should be known for anything, it should be known for a smile on our face. I always say this, that religion is spelled M-I-S-E-R-Y, misery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wherever religion appears, it puts burdens and guilt uh, and, and just oppresses people. But Jesus came to set people free from guilt, set people free from oppression, put a smile on people's face. Yo, he, he, he came that we might be family, and in family you don't just row together, but also at times you laugh together as well. I remember a few uh, years ago I was preaching on the subject of non-religious Christianity. Uh, and I remember at the end, end of this, uh, this preach, the, there was a bit of music that was being played. And, and just the whole place just went ballistic. That's the only way I can describe it. 
It, it was nothing hyped, nothing contrived. It was just like a pure joy started to erupt on the inside of people. We had a conga going round the church, this, this conga that was just getting bigger and bigger. There were a couple of guys who were what I, I would describe as substantial guys. You, you know, they were, they were big. Big guys who had big bellies and they were belly bouncing off each other in the worship. I, I remember a particular person who will remain nameless, who, who was sort of stood on the stage with a micro, microphone stand waving it in the air. We had a new convert who was stood on their chair at the back, you know, waving around like this. It was mental. There were three people little bit religious, who slunk out of the place. It just got too hot for them. But you know, the thing that blessed me the most was this. It was the new convert who was at the back, stood on the chair, who said this. They said that church should be like this every Sunday. That, re that just reminded me in that instant why the majority of people are still outside our four walls because their perspective of church is that church is boring, lifeless, has no relevancy, has no smile on its face. But when the smile comes back into the church and celebration comes back in and we're able to do the fun stuff together, I tell you it attracts the unchurched. And the Jews, without the full realization of who the Messiah is and who Jesus is, know how to celebrate how much more us who have come into a personal encounter with Jesus, how much more should the celebration be? The final thing is this. I've not done too bad today. I, I'm still on white and not red up there. The final thing is this, in, in Esther 10, it says this of Mordecai, that he did what was good for all the people. I mean, what, what a testimony to have over your life. I, I've often said to people in my more morbid moments, I've said I, I want... Uh, you know, if someone's going to do a gravestone for me, I, I, I think I, all I want actually on there would be here lies a godly man. That, that, that's all I, w I would want. That's the only thing I would want. But what a testimony to have. Did good for all the people. It's time for the church to be known by that testimony that we're the people who do good for all the people, that our heart is for every single person. It doesn't matter their social background, their social class. It doesn't matter what issues they have in life, whether their issues are right out in front of us or whether their issues are, are concealed and secretive. Whatever the issues are, our heart is for all people. And it's to do good in all people's lives. Sadly, over the years, the church has been known for other things. It's been known for being judgmental. It's been known for marginalizing people. It's been known for rejecting people. 
But I believe God is doing something new in our nation at this time. And up and down this nation of ours, there are now churches that, that are relevant to where people are. There are churches that are bringing good news into people's lives. There are churches who now speak kindness and speak grace and speak freedom over people's lives. And it's time to be known for the good things that we do. I remember a few years back, we did a community uh, project where we, had, uh, we were painting murals around uh, our village center. Uh, and I remember this guy coming up to me and he said, uh, he said where, where are you from? I said, we're, we're from the local churches. He said, but, but what you're doing, he says, it, 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 it's practical what you're doing. Uh, I said, yeah, it is. He, he, said, uh, he said, but it's practical what you're doing. I said, yeah, it is. And then the third time he went, it's practical what you're doing. What was going on in his head? I tell you what was going on in his head. All that he thought Christianity was about was, was people who were detached from the reality of life. And when he started to see no Christians will come into a community and start to change and transform a community, change it physically, change it relationally, change it spiritually, change it economically. I believe part of heaven coming to earth is this, that the economics in an area also changes because the church is there. I believe that the value of property should go up because the church is present in a community. I was in Brazil with Alison a couple of years ago and we were in a couple of what they would call mega churches over there. And one of the churches, they have 75,000 members in the church. I mean, just think about that for a minute. That, 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 for you, Johnny, that's 75,000 problems. <laughs> well, 75,000 people in the church. They've moved into what they call over their favelas, which really essentially are where the poorer communities are where drug addiction and violence is all over the place. And it's a dangerous place to go in, but the church went into the dangerous places. And this church, they went into a dangerous place, and they started to clean the place up. People got saved. They got set free from drugs. You know, families got put back together, and little by little, prosperity came into that place and it went from being a poor community to being a community where people had jobs, had prospects, had a future and had prosperity and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever his kingdom comes change and transformation comes and it's every area and every level of life. What are we going to be known for? We're going to be known as those people who do good. When they speak about you, they're going to say, yeah, Fred, I know. 
Because Fred does good things in people's lives. Fred always has an ear ready to listen. Fred always has a kind word of encouragement. It's time for us to be known for doing good. You see, that was what they said of Jesus. Acts 10, 38 says, how God anointed Jesus, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. You know, the supernatural, it works best out of a place of love. Works best out of a place of knowing that God loves people and God is for people. And today, his love for you is immense. He's for you. He's on your side. He's not against you. You, you. you know, if I could nuke that lie, and I think I will nuke it most likely every time I ever preach, to nuke the lie that God is against you, that is a lie. The truth today is God is for you. God loves you. And his love is unconditional. Today, his arms are open wide towards you. And you have a hope, you have a future, and you have a tomorrow because he's in your life. It's not the end of the story. In actual fact, today is the start of the story. And I believe for some of you in this room, it can be the start of the rest of your life as you move on from where you are into all that God has got for you. Let us pray. Yeah, Father, I just thank you today for every single person who is in this room. And Lord, I want to pray that, Lord, you might open our eyes and open our understanding to know how much you love us and to know how much you are for us. And I pray, Lord, for those who are despondent and hopeless today. I want to pray, Lord, that you would just break that hopelessness off their lives. And I pray that you would put fresh faith and fresh vision and fresh hope for today and for tomorrow. Lord, may we know in our heart of hearts how much you are really for us. Pray, Lord, for the church here that they might know a new season of favor. I pray, Lord, favor with you, but also favor with people. I pray, Lord, that you would just lead them into areas that they never thought they would be involved in. Because, Lord, your favor is upon them. And I pray doors will open without even having to be knocked on. I just pray favor over this church today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.